added, I'm going to throw out something because I know it's... Did uh, you add something? We did add something Ooh. this year that we've never added before. And? Golf. Golf? Yeah. Like golf golf, not like, like mini golf. Like real golf. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, you know, get your slice on. Um, we're, uh, we've partnered with uh, North Sound Golf Club. Thanks to Jeff and his team up there. We're nice. going to do a challenge at North Sound Golf Club this year. Well, not going to tell you what it is. Hole in one. You have to get a hole in one. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that so would be helpful. <laughs> All right. Time is uh, 724. By the way, uh, if you want to get to rules and information, uh, the, the uh, registration forms at our website, dmsbroadcasting.ky. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Morning, morning. Good morning, good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Bright We're good. and bushy-tailed on We're this Monday morning. Hey. Lots, lots of action over the weekend. What do you got? OMG, as my daughter would say. I know, right? <laughs> it's been wild. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin, but let's begin with what happened on Friday. So on Friday, um, a lot of people would have recognized that there was quite a bit of activity on the West Bay Quadrant in the vicinity of um, Lizard Lane, that roundabout, Buckingham Square, uh, that entire area, a heavy police presence. And essentially there was a police chase um, after they stopped a vehicle with two, uh, looks like both armed men. Uh, one was apprehended after attempting to jump in the ocean. Um, and That's right. I did hear that. He was like starting to like take off his clothes and jump yes. in the ocean. Where was he going to swim to? Never a good way out. I, yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah. That, yes. that would not be. Yeah. There's nowhere to swim to really. Although we have had someone do that before and they actually made it all the way to Jamaica. I didn't think they swam to Jamaica. But what? When they eventually they made, found them, they were in Jamaica. So it was. They made it on a boat. Hopefully. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Not so um, the police apprehended one suspect. There's still another man at large that they're looking for. And the police are desperate to find him because they say he is armed and dangerous. And his name, 23-year-old Justin Kyle Jackson. So they believe he could be in the West Bay area. They've been looking for him for a while. Um, mm. So they will continue to look for him. And of course, if you know where Justin is or if Justin's smart, he probably should just turn himself in because this probably isn't going to end well. Mm-mm. So I don't get it. They stopped him at Yacht Club Drive up there in West Bay, mm-hmm. and they walked. There, they ran all along the beach, all the way up to like Lakota area. I kind of feel like when they say they stopped them, that the vehicle probably continued going. That's the only thing that makes sense given the distance. Okay, yeah, because I was like running all that way. I was at the Ritz Carlton with friends, and then we went to Morgan's Harbor like within like minutes of mm-hmm. like like half an hour of missing all this, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so it was kind of wild to like get the messages and be like, wait, what's going on outside? Yeah, so that was a lot of activity. Um, He still is wanted by the RCAPS, so keep an eye out. Um, In addition to... And what what, what are they wanted for? um, He is wanted for breaching existing bail conditions is what they originally said. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's probably a bit more than that, but they haven't really said what else. Okay. So it could be one of those um, six that they claim are going around committing a lot of the recent robberies and so forth. Gotcha. But, um, yes. And they're reminding people that if you're harboring him as a fugitive, you could face up to 10 years in jail. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, we had um, a gentleman die on Saturday afternoon, 75-year-old Eldon Nixon, passed away at Smith Cove. He was a regular there. Uh, a lot of people remember him as being a fixture. He was always, every day, 
going with his bicycle and he would eat his fruits on the beach and then go for a little swim. Oh, and no. unfortunately on Saturday afternoon, he ran into some difficulties and passed away. So we extended his family. Absolutely. That's sad. Yeah, Very, very sad. And then last night to top it off, there was even more excitement. Um, there was a gentleman who was trying to walk in the ocean. Um, down... yeah, you, know you can't walk on water, right? <laughs> Gotta run yeah. really fast. That's <laughs> probably a sad story, so don't make me laugh. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, sorry. I'm, okay. Aaron, I'm gonna get some really bad comments as well. Yeah, um, I have thick skin. I know. Um, so yeah, he was uh, yeah. going into the ocean last night. It seems like he's perhaps having some mental distress or something. And um, well, that's sad. So yeah, there was a lot of commotion around that. Thankfully, they were able to retrieve him out, um, but it okay. was a thing to do in East End, down by the blowholes. Of all the places you could Oh no, wait, he was trying, I thought you were talking like he was just trying to walk into the beach for like seven miles or no, something. That's no, like no, 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 like water right there. Mm -hmm. And that, and yeah, that you and yeah. smashes you up against that, uh, the rocks there, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So um, I think the a private boat actually found him, but I think the Coast Guard might have been dispatched as well um, to try to assist in the rescue of this individual. And the good news, like I said, it's a good good ending, is that he um, was recovered. And then we've got more Brack, um, more Cubans coming in and came in Brack. So there's that as well. At least two separate uh, boats with nine people each came in over the weekend there as well. Wow. Yeah. All right, catch Sandy right now on Bobo 89.1, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuesday awesome. show. Have a good day. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. All right. Our segment with. All right. 729 and 46 seconds, 47 and counting. We are going to go live in 10 seconds or less. Stand by, everybody. I need to. I keep trying to adjust this camera. I think I need a. Sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey chow. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. So good morning, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday morning. It's the first Monday of um, May, uh, May the 2nd already. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, I tell you what, this has been, April was uh, full of a lot of events. It was extremely eventful. And it looks like May is going to be starting off uh, much the same, quite frankly. So we're going to get into all of the details of what happened over the weekend. We've got a huge Monday Rewind show for you. But before we can even get to Monday Rewind, guess what literally just happened? An armed robbery uh, on Shedden Road, close to the Flow Exchange, you know, the little Flow uh, right next to Archie's Bar. 
There's a clothing store there, gents and G's and gents. I understand it's in the vicinity of G's and gents. Wow, police with the firearms response unit are on the way. They're not there yet. And um, either a person or persons were actually robbed out there, like just now. Crazy. It's 7.30 in the morning. Who is robbing people at 7.30 in the morning? Clearly somebody who doesn't have a job <laughs> to get to and has nothing else to do with their time, right? So this is absolutely crazy. So this is a breaking um, news story. And as we um, get any details, any further details, uh, we will pass those along to you. So, um, yeah, wow, mm, mm, mm. good morning. This is the Cayman Islands, folks. It's uh, really, really hard to believe that this is our reality. We're gonna talk about some of that this morning. Good morning to Irvlin. Good morning, Marshall. Uh, Olivia is here. Charlene, thank you so much for waking up with us, folks. Uh, Miss Romelia is here. Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much. She says, have a blessed day in the Lord. Child, we play, we're praying for a blessed day. Uh, Buenos dias to Miss Rita. Wee Wee's got it locked. Um, Miss Beulah is also here. Thank you, Wee Wee. She sends her condolences to the family of Mr. Nixon. We'll talk a little bit about that this morning. Romelia says, it's amazing how the police stake out the West Bay Road and they don't give our poor communities that kind of attention. <clears throat> Look at the young man wanted for drugs uh, from Crew Road all now. No stakeout. What young man was that one? Uh, what happened to equal access, e equality? across our community. So we'll talk about that a little bit because that discussion did come up this morning, uh, over the weekend as well, I should say. Tommy, good morning. Um, yeah, the Cubans, I, I'm losing count, Charlene. Let's talk about that in a bit. Uh, Felicia, good morning to Miss Emma. Aliano is here, says, what a weekend. Let me get my Hennessy tea ready. Child, he's gonna put some Hennessy in the tea this morning. That's how crazy it's been. Um, Magdalene says there is a number plate in that same number place, in that same plaza. We're going to talk about that some more as well. Good morning, John. Duran is here. Josephine, uh, Wee Wee, Richard. Good morning to Sarah. Saw the armed police whiz by me with sirens. Yes, girl, that's what it is. Another armed robbery this morning. Wow. Uh, it's, it's getting a little bit crazy. I gotta be honest with you. Uh, yes, uh, Ignacia, good morning, Ignacia, I'm sure it's how you pronounce it, good morning to you, darling, Melita, Jaren is here, so folks, we've just heard that there's another armed robbery, uh, in the vicinity of G's and Gents, uh, close to Archie's Bar, we've talked about Archie's before, uh -uh, that's a hot spot, and yes, um, I would not be surprised, Magdalene, <laughs> You know, there, there's a lot of these um, numbers places in particular on Eastern Avenue and in that whole quadrant. So it, it doesn't surprise me. Well, you know, there's always numbers selling at Archie's as delegation in the area. And uh, I, I remain baffled at how businesses are keeping their licenses. So let's kick it off. Monday Rewind, folks. It's our opportunity to recap everything that happened over the weekend. Some weekends are super busy. This weekend definitely takes the cake. Time for.
for Monday Rewind. <laughs> the Cold Car Troops Monday Rewind show recaps the weekend's news and events so you don't miss a beat. Don't miss out. All the weekend's source, news, gossip, and, well, it wouldn't be a weekend recap show without traffic accidents, too. <laughs> Cayman Marl Road is Cayman's number one news source and has the island's hottest morning talk show. It's the hottest. Make sure you don't miss a beat with Monday Rewind. <laughs> Tune in every Monday from 7.30 a.m. on both YouTube and Facebook. Folks, um, welcome back. So on Saturday, before we even get to Friday, let's start with Saturday. Um, we received a phone call um, from someone who said, Sandy, what is going on with all of the number selling places and why can't they shut them down? I said, well, I don't know what's going on with them. Like I said, I don't personally buy numbers, but um, their sentiment was, listen, we had a man, poor Mr. Elliot, who literally lost his life last week, Monday, right? Monday night. And two days later, after the police tape comes down, the number selling at that location continues, started back, like nothing ever happened. And they're like, you know, there, there's no, like, they can't believe that someone just got killed in your place of business, in your facility. And the reason why, it, you know, these people are robbing you because they know you have money, um, cash from illegal gains. And someone dies literally at your, they said, listen, if someone had been shot or killed in my house, the police would not have opened up the doors. You know, I wouldn't be able to go back in right away and all this sort of thing. And they're like, and no time flat, the business is back open, like nothing happened. And the illegal, the alleged illegal activity continues like nothing happened. And I said, wow, I'm not entirely surprised, but at some level, you're kind of like, hmm. That didn't slow y'all down, number sellers? Not at all. And so this person said to me that they're going to start going around in Eastern Avenue and taking photos of all of the businesses that, um, the, all of the businesses that, um, that are into the number selling business. I mean, all of the businesses, sorry, yes, that are, you know, selling illegal numbers. And I said, well, I don't know. The police seem to somehow have their hands tied. Um, someone else mentioned that the second that, um, you know, there is a, a, a bus, uh, they get like fined a hundred dollars. There's nothing significant. And then they're back at it again. So we do have our first caller of the morning. Good morning, caller. And welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored beyond measures. Good. What's going on? My... The thing that I would really like to know this morning, mm -hmm. yes, we have a lot of these barber shops are disguised as barber shops. Even no, I wouldn't say disguised because they actually does barber work in there. Yes. but they're also doing numbers in the illegal yeah. numbers in there. The police is aware of every location mm -hmm. that are selling these numbers. Right? Because sometimes they're the ones buying the numbers. I'm just saying. Thank you. I, oh, yes. Thank you. Number one. Mm -hmm. That's why they're doing anything about it. Because then I have this theory that 
you cannot be a part of the solution if you are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. The police is a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. That's why they will not do anything to stop it. They claims, oh, it's petty crime. Well, in my book, petty crime evolves into big crimes, like what they have today. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. Why isn't DCI playing their role? Mm-hmm. The people put in applications for barber, but yet they're doing something illegal in there. Why isn't DCI jucking those licenses? Mm-hmm. Why is DCI pettying along with the police and ignoring saying it's petty crime? Majority of these number sellers are expatriates. Where is immigration? Why can't immigration get active like how they used to be years ago on our streets, checking people out? They'll never know. They not, not only for will they find number sellers, they might find people overstaying. You understand? DCI, immigration, and our police needs to be active. They need to step up to the plate and do what they're being paid for. Mm-hmm. You understand? Or it ain't going to get any better. It's going to just continue to get worse. Mm-hmm. It's con- going to continue. And what is really, really um, at heart right now and disturbing is to see that people are losing their lives in these robberies. Mm-hmm. If they don't take it in hand, oh my gosh, Cayman is going to get worse. I hope and pray it don't, but I mean, we have people who are who are in in in, in uh, positions to to serve, protect, and uphold our laws, and it like those three things don't exist for them. Mm-hmm. Yet they're getting paid to do just that. You understand? Mm-hmm. So who do we hold accountable? Mm-hmm. Do we hold accountable for the police not doing their jobs, for DCI not doing their jobs, immigration not doing their jobs? Mm-hmm. Well, those are all. Um, yeah, those are all civil service entities. Um, obviously, the police fall directly under the governor, so um, that's a matter for him. <laughs> so, well, a- according know. according to him. According to him, is that oh, that he's so proud of the police that the police is doing a good job. Well, he needs to ask the commissioner, why is it that these um, th- these numbers are being sold in these um, in these places when the commissioner himself knows about it? The commissioner himself knows that these numbers are being sold where exactly that these numbers are being sold. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that he was told, he wasn't only told, he was shown. Well, he, he made some mention so he, last week at the press conference that apparently there's something legislatively that needs to be done. I don't I don't know what that is. Um, so maybe as as one person did point out to me on Saturday that they get a slap on the wrist. It's like a hundred dollar fine or something ridiculous. So maybe his his point could be I mean, he didn't go into any details. So I can't specifically say what he meant by that. But what I was thinking was maybe there is nothing in the law that permits them to currently be shut down. So now this is a matter for our legislators where they need to get on the ball and they need to get it together. And as soon as a business location is identified as one that sells numbers, the business license should be pulled, 
Um, and more than just a regular $100 fine should be levied against the owners of the business. Because there is no motivation. If you're finding someone just $100, there's no motivation for them to shut down illegal gambling that brings in thousands of dollars. So, Sandy, if they was to put their head together and work as a team, and as they find somebody in certain premises selling numbers, DCI act and pull that license. You what I'm you saying is they may not people... have the legal, because I completely agree with you and I understand what you're saying, but if the law doesn't give them the power to do that, and this is a DCI question, so I don't know if Ryan from DCI is paying attention or anybody else is listening, um, you know, but this, this is now a matter for... Um, this is Wouldn't now a matter for the legislators to, to get on top of if that is indeed the issue. Wouldn't that come across of misleading the DCI with information, wrong information? Yeah, I mean, I think they that have, if they that wanted would to give push, them all grounds yeah. and all powers because they were misled, they were wrongfully mm -hmm. informed of what would be happening at that location. You understand? Yeah. So I I would think in my sound mind that that gives me legal rights to pull your license if so you misled. Well, I guess it's difficult as Cayman. And I know we all know money talks in Cayman. But let's see what money doing right now. Mm. We also want to killing people. Yeah. And there, there's some people. big, listen, there's some big money. Um, there's some big gambling people in this country who have made millions of dollars, who yep. are building million dollar homes, who build businesses and all sorts of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, people say, oh, this one's the banker and this one's that. And they walk around almost with police protection because of the amount of money that they there are flush with at any given time. And, you know, if you, you if you listen and believe half of what the streets are saying, this has been something that's been going on forever. And the police do know who these individuals yep. are. They've always known yes, who they, they are. Do. And nothing comes yes, of it. So do. it is it is one of those mm -hmm. things that it appears that we have been all too happy as a community, meaning the police and others, to really turn a blind eye to illegal gambling. And now that mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, causing other ills in the community, I just have to wonder how much longer it's going to continue. Well, you have to ask that to your commissioner, to, 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 to immigration, and to, to DCI, my darling. Turn to them for answers, because it lies with them. Mm -hmm. Or matter of fact, not the police, you go to the governor. Ask the governor, because then the governor needs to understand that from his very commissioner is aware of, of the, um, the, these locations, and it was mm -hmm. brought to his attention. You understand? And nothing was said or nothing was done. Mm -hmm. So right, they used to form what, a task force and I get cracking. Ms. Wanda says, has Keyman considered um, making legal, making numbers legal with a numbers lottery system like the U.S.? It would generate revenue for the country. So what's your opinion about legalizing um, gambling? Look Look at what look at what is creating now. Just imagine what it would create legalizing it. More funds, more ideas of how to rob bigger funds. Believer came and I was blessed. We are blessed and highly favored beyond measures. We can do without legalizing gambling, and we could do without legalizing a lot of wrong things in our Cayman Islands. I'm sorry, I'm not for it. Mm -hmm. I'm not for it. It would just cause more death and make the stakes of funds much higher and more eager 
to go and rob, no matter who they have to kill to rob, it will just have, um, come into play. So we, we we don't think of these things. You see what's happening now for uh, and being is illegal. Look at just take stop and look at what is happening now. Being is illegal. And the, just the, imagine the, the argument is if it becomes legal, the government has the responsibility for running it. So I guess there'll be tighter security in place, and it won't be it won't be hanging out at the local barbershop that it would be happening. So I don't know if legalizing gambling would mean that all does, legal the, numbers does it mix. Do it make a difference where they rob, whether it's government or these um, chickens about the street? Would it make a difference? Well, presumably they they rob. Yeah, they rob presumably banks. government. They robs anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess the um, I guess the thinking is um, you know, government would have the ability. <clears throat> to definitely have better better measures in place. But we'll see. All right, Miss Romelia, thank you so much. Okay, darling, you have a blessed day. Thank you, too. Mm -hmm. All right, there. All right, folks, 936-2626 is definitely the, the number. Good morning to Sherry Ann. We do have, oops, another caller who was trying to call in um, to the show. Caller? Saw it, saw it ringing, and then I don't know what happened. Uh, let's see if we can get that caller back in the program. And uh, Marshall says the locations that are known to allow people to sell numbers should be fixed heavy and take their business licenses. That might be a deterrence. Okay. Um, Barbara says it's a beautiful sunny day in the East. Hope everyone has a beautiful day as I'm having God bless. Good morning to Blair. Blair says, I get frustrated that I pay for a business license and I work for myself, but I know several different people who sell and do what I do and don't have to pay for a license. Well, again, that comes down to DCI. That's DCI enforcement. Um, and in fact, we get this complaint all the time. People selling out of their vehicles, they're selling food, they're doing this, they're doing that. And there's no degree of enforcement, folks. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the program. Morning. Morning. Uh, you said, like, when you were talking with the last caller, that you agree that DCI could do something. Yeah. Well, I would hope so. Why not? Well, yeah. Well, well, I kind of agreed with your previous comment, which was, uh, do they have the power? Right. Because um, where in the law does it say? that if someone makes an application for a business license and says, I want to run a barbershop and then they're, and then someone's doing gambling on the site, where did they lie to DCI? Did they say actually, is DCI requiring them to say, also say whether they're going to do gambling or not? They're not, well, they're, not, I mean, they're not misleading DCI. They're not. Yeah, because they are, they, are, they are carrying on the barbering, as she said, but they're also carrying on yeah. other activity, which is illegal. But, that, but they didn't lie to DCI. Uh -huh. And there's not a sanction in the law that says you can take away someone's business license if a crime was committed on a premises. Who says crime is being committed by the owner? What, is, what if it's an employee? So an employee can shut down your business by doing something illegal on your property? Well, it is called vicarious liability for a reason. 
And that is why well, if you well, own no, a business. No, 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 that vicarious liability is not when someone is doing something outside of your, um, the, the sanctioned activity. That it, person, can, it can be, it can be outside the scope of what they're supposed to be doing and you're still held responsible. And that is why, Denny, you have certain protocols in place to ensure that people you employ are not breaking the law. It, it does yes. ultimately become your responsibility as an employer because you own the premise and you run the business. So if you need to install cameras, if you need to listen, if every single person out there knows where their legal gambling is going on, you want me to believe that the owners of the businesses don't know? Come on now. No. No, that's I wasn't not born this size. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you think that a, an employer uh -huh. can install enough cameras and protocols to prevent all crime, you're delusional. No, but to catch illegal gambling that's done in, in plain sight in a barbershop? Where everybody in the neighborhood well, knows that that's where you go to buy numbers? If, if something is done in plain sight, then it's probably the owner doing it. But the point that I'm making is it might not be the owner doing it. Mm-hmm. And well, in which I, I think, case, I think that well, that's less case, likely to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, let, let's, let's, let's take another example, right? Um, there are some bars that have a reputation for employing women um, from particular countries who engage in prostitution on location. And they're, they're, you know, part of the reason why they actually have to do it is that the bars pay such poor, so poorly in terms of their compensation. They'll lie to them and tell them, oh, you'll be making X amount. When they get here, the barmaids find out they're not making that at all. And they also, by extension, lie to immigration and everybody else about the salaries that these girls are making. And so the girls are put in a bit of a precarious situation where they either need to find a sugar daddy or now that's something DC I can do uh, <laughs> or liquor license and board can do something about. Or they just start to prostitute themselves um, to the highest bidder. Sometimes, yeah, well, sometimes we've something. seen the highest bidder be politicians. That's what they should take take action on because that clearly is a breach of law that, that can be demonstrated. Mm -hmm. So, but the point that I'm trying to make is where in the law does it say that DCI could take away someone's license if um, an employee of the business is breaking the law mm -hmm. that that's ticklish I, i'm i'm not saying that i'm against the idea i'm just like what you were trying to initially explain to the caller it might not have the power it mm -hmm. might not be the way she thinks it is right and we're, we're going to ask those questions um because yeah. i think there definitely needs to be um some clarification of of what what the position is legally and yeah. I think that what ends up happening a lot of times in this country is that we look for um, excuses to not do anything about it. We being a lot of government agencies, right? So it might be more difficult for them to put their foot down, even in, in terms of enforcement and the law, but they look for the easy way out. So they look for the out that's, oh, well, the law doesn't expressly give me the power to do that. So I'm not even going to look any further beyond that to see um, <clears throat> what else could potentially be done. But and yet, I, the, but yet they're going to haul you in if you've got a sign outside that you didn't get approval for. Yeah. And well, the other thing is, I think that on the part of the public, sometimes the public thinks, well, that would be the right thing to do. So what do you mean you can't do it? Well, right. It, it, the right thing needs to actually be legal. 
right? And there's just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right, like morally, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking about what should we do in these situations, as the public, we need to be asking ourselves, well, I know this sounds like the right thing to do, but did I make representation to my uh, MP uh, about making it lawful for that action to be taken, which is necessary for the action to be taken. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to say today. Thank you so much, Danny. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Have Bye. a good one. All right, folks. Um, the conversation's off to a running start this morning. 936-2626 is a number. Athena says, amen. Sandy, preach my girl. Amelia says, it's your business, your license. It's your responsibility to know what's going on in your business. Well, absolutely. Ultimately, the business owner does, in fact, have um, a legal obligation to ensure that their premise is not being utilized to carry out any illegal activity. Now, there's lots of things, folks, that business owners can do. And like I said, this is no secret. If everybody else knows that there's numbers selling going on at your place of business, um, it shouldn't be a shock to you as a business owner. What you find happens a lot of times with these salons and barbershops, uh, you have people who are working in them who are technically working for themselves, right? This, ha- this again, DCI works. Everybody knows this. This is no big secret. This has been going on for a really long time. The person just rents a chair and they get their own clientele and they earn and they make their own money. When in fact, the law doesn't doesn't allow for that, the immigration law that is, does not allow for that type of a scheme where the person is a subcontractor essentially, right? Because they're here to work permit. So if they're here to work permit, they work for you and you're supposed to be paying them a salary. You're not supposed to be renting them a chair. Uh Uh-huh. But that doesn't happen. A lot of these barbershops, these guys are just renting a chair. And um, once again, there doesn't seem like there's a whole lot that's being done about that, although it's widely known that in the industry that's happening. So you're supposed to pay their salary. You're supposed to pay insurance and pension, just like any other employer. And what you have happening is a lot of these guys coming in here, once again, having to hustle and find their own clients and do all this stuff as though they are the business owner, right? Right. And there are times I feel like when that's putting them under pressure to engage in illegal activity. So I was just having a quick perusal of the um, Trade and Business Licensing Act 2021 revision. Um, It does talk about the breaches by the licensee under Section 28 of the law. So it talks about, you know, um, the, the board or department may conduct any investigation it considers necessary in relation to the license and may upon obtaining a warrant uh, perform any of the following in the course of such an investigation. Enter a premise for the purpose of ascertaining compliance with this act. Compel the production of books, records, and documents in the custody or control of the licensee. Compel the appearance of an employee or officer of a licensee or any other person for the purpose of ascertaining compliance with this act. Inspect, examine, or make copies of any book, record, or document in the possession of the licensee relevant to the license held by the licensee, require verification of income. Let's read that one again. 28.1e, require verification of income in all matters pertinent to the license. Oh, and F, seize or remove any documents or records relating to the licensee for the purpose of examination and inspection. Hmm. Okay. Um, And then section 
Two says, you know, the things that you can't do, like you can't hinder, obstruct, prevent, or interfere with the board in the exercise of a power pursuant to this section. You can't fail without reasonable excuse to answer any questions relating to any register, book, record, or any document. And you certainly can't provide false or misleading information to the board that leads to an investigation or during the course of an investigation. And there's more to it about how you commit an offense, summary conviction to a fine of $5,000 or to imprisonment of a term of one year or both. Huh. So, um, I mean, there's some stuff here. Now, I don't know exactly what sort of breaches they're looking for, right? Because they talk about, for example, Section 20, requests for additional information. I mean, normally getting a business license in Cayman is a very, very straightforward process. Uh, if you fall into certain categories, like you also need a liquor license, there might be some additional things that are required through the liquor licensing arm, for example. But is gambling addressed specifically in this law? Probably not. But I'm sure that um, you're not permitted to obtain a business license, even for a, a legitimate business, and then use that premises for some illegal or illegitimate purpose as well. And of course, gambling uh, would fall into that. So it doesn't have to specifically speak to gambling, but again, this is where if the law isn't specific, maybe the powers that be over at DCI um, are not minded to really do anything about it. Hmm. I mean, they have the power of search and seizure and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. I just don't know. Okay. We've got Denny calling back to the program. Looks like he's had a bit of a thought. Uh, good morning, Denny. Welcome back. Yes. You hit another good point about mm -hmm. renting the chair. Right. Now, I don't think that's illegal. It is illegal. But you, you, you illegal? Yes. Yeah, well, from, okay, from, from an immigration someone, perspective, you're you, not supposed to do okay, that. Okay. You're, you're thinking of that as them running their own business, right? Well, that's how immigration sees it. And that's why they tell you you're not supposed to do it. Okay. So uh, under the labor law, um, you can have an agreement with someone where you pay their pension, you pay their insurance, and you pay them at least a minimum wage, and then they can work on a commission basis above and beyond that. No, that, that's not working on a commission basis isn't the same thing as someone renting a chair. There, actually, there is well, actually a distinction. Right. And in, in, in the salon but, business, but, in, in that particular mm -hmm. business, it is customary for someone to get a base salary, which meets the minimum requirements of the law in terms of the minimum wage requirements. And then on top of right. that, you have them on a commission scheme because then that motivates them um, to right. you know, work even harder. But what I'm saying is what's actually happening is people are going into these salons where they're not getting a salary at all. They are paying the business owner to rent a chair. And that situation, is not permitted by the immigration law. Well, I would, well, it's, and it's not permitted by the labor law either. Right. Because if, 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 if that agreement, well, if, if the commission was above and beyond the minimum wage, 
then as far as the labor law is concerned, it would be, um, that would be lawful. The immigration part of it, I'm not as certain about it as you are. You probably know more than that about me, than me, but um, what all, the, the thing is though, right, is that it's, it's correct to say that people know who, who sells numbers. Mm-hmm. Why is it that, like, when, when you say that the police uh, should do something about it, what, what people are saying is that because the police knows that a certain person uh, sells numbers, mm-hmm. um, you could probably know that a certain person might smoke weed. But unless you actually, they do something that causes the police to be in a position to either get, catch them with it, um, nothing will happen. Yeah. And, so and, and I don't, listen, I don't know I, what the rules are about how, how, what the rules are about evidence for, for yes, that, but I would imagine and I appreciate, you would have, have, um, have something in your possession. And this is one of the reasons why when the police last week even were giving some explanation about, you know, their use of releasing CCTV footage and and having to control the chain of command of evidence and how to properly identify someone from an evidentiary perspective. I completely, from a legal perspective, understand mostly all of that. Um, I'm still a little bit puzzled about the CCTV footage because my understanding is in the UK that they do it all the time. So I don't know why Cayman would have an issue or a different set of rules because pretty much, especially for criminal law, we more or less follow um, the same guidelines, the same you know um, criminal code as the UK does. So that's something that I need to speak to a couple uh, defense attorneys about to try to understand how that works exactly. But I do understand, you, you can know that someone is a murderer. And the police, this happens to them all the time. They're like, yeah, that's our guy. But unless they can prove it in a court of law, they better be very, very careful trying to arrest that person. Because number one, they won't get a conviction and you don't get two bites at the cherry. So the second you screw up and don't get a conviction, that person walks. Well, that's the end of that. You got to wait until they try to kill somebody else or until they kill somebody else. And then you you might get another shot at them. But um, or, I think the police the person kill them in the process of them trying to kill them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get I get the um, the very difficult position that the police is in. And that's why I wouldn't say that they're not doing anything. I mean, there's always scope and room for improvement. But, you know, they have they have to also follow the law. So even in, in the process that's... of arresting a criminal, there are certain things that they can and can't do. Right. And and that's the point that I was going to get to, which is I, I hear the, the frustration of, well, why can't we do something about it? It's just in reality, it's not like how you see it on TV. They mm-hmm. don't look on the computer screen yeah. and go, ah, there he is. Bam, let's get him. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's That's entertainment. And they have to cram it into a hour or two hour yeah. thing. So they skip out a lot of stuff like, you know, actually uh, staking out someone, being bitten up by mosquitoes, all that parts that's cut out on the <laughs> floor, Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's so, why that's why I prefer to watch the real the first 48 cuz at least you get a little bit of a closer um, indication of how these things work. You know, I was watching an episode over the weekend and the guy was like, "Yeah, I'm going to I'll talk to you guys, but um Here's my number. Call me later. Because again, people are afraid, even in the U.S., 
um, to speak directly yeah. to the police. At the time that the police are going door to door after a major incident, you will find that people then don't necessarily want to talk to you, you know, but they'll maybe hand you their number or you give them your card and they'll come forward later. They'll, they'll provide anonymous tips. They'll email something in, you know, and that's how policing, I think, works around the world. And none of us are policing experts. We can certainly look from the outside in and think that we know a lot of what's going on, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of intricate details that we just don't know. Yeah. And, and what I, the point I'd like to make at this point is, so the police is making comments about what they can do. And we're sitting there and say, but, but you know who the person is? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, when I, when I think of put all that together, mm-hmm. what comes to my mind is this. Mm-hmm. If you want the law to be changed in a certain way, mm-hmm. you need to speak to your representative. Right. Right. You could, you could say the police knows who they are all you want. Yeah. But uh, but that's not going to change the situation. And you know what else you is amazing? You have to make representation. Yeah, and you know what else is amazing, Denny, is um, oftentimes, especially on in, in Instagram, you know, we get a much younger crowd on Instagram. I see some of the comments when someone is placed in the police custody and they're arrested. And we have these younger uh, kids sometimes and young adults who are like, oh, free up my fam, free, free him up, you know, this and that. And I think to myself, um, we put so much on the police when it comes to criminality and policing and nobody wants to take responsibility for raising hooligans for raising these kids who are beating each other up in school by the way we got another video coming your way in just a minute here with young girls fighting yet again so we don't want to take responsibility for where the problem really lies but at the tail end of oh incarcerate people because we can build endless prisons um police need to arrest everybody you know that's where we want to put all of the emphasis nobody wants to be part of the solution we're not willing to do our part we're not willing to admit that the reason why the police are having to go out there and arrest their nieces nephews um, brothers sisters whatever is because we have created an environment where the criminals get to walk around a little bit too freely and we turn a blind eye to it and 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 once they have a police record then it's hard to get a job it's hard to travel mm-hmm. it's hard to do a lot of things so we're putting our people at, a, at an extreme disadvantage i think i'll just say it because mm-hmm. we don't really appreciate the importance of taking those um initial steps oh and uh, if somebody says to you I'll, I'll give you an example someone asked me last night can i take your kids to dinner at and bring them home by 8 30. you mm-hmm. want to take them pizza hut right mm-hmm. and i said no he said why not i says because their bedtime is eight o'clock mm-hmm. right you see what'll happen right is if i start moving the scale like that or the rules like that what's going to happen is the next time they want to do something it's going to be nine o'clock mm-hmm. then it's going to be 10 o'clock and mm-hmm. it's going to be 11 o'clock and mm-hmm. then before you know it i'm going to be wondering how come they didn't come home right you know what denny i think that as parents and as people in this community we just have to take a firm position that right is right and wrong is wrong and there's no there's no gray area and when you're raising children you can't allow as you say this sliding scale to exist or this gray area because they get confused and they, yes, they grow up in an environment where they don't know understand the gray exactly the gray doesn't work well in the minds of kids exactly trust me so, i know I just yeah, had to it, put my it, foot down with a five-year-old last night <laughs> over chocolate. <laughs> I said, don't eat the chocolate. And guess what? I found the chocolate wrapping in the drawer in her room. And I said, when did this happen? 
oh, I don't know. And I said, really? Well, there's only one person here that could be eating chocolate and hiding it in your drawer. It wasn't me. It wasn't dad. So it's got to be you. you. (laughs) Who else could it have been? (laughs) So, you know, we're under, we're under some punishment around here now. And the first question she said to me was why? And I said, because I actually specifically said to you, do not eat this chocolate. And you disobeyed me. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Now there are consequences. And children need need to get that message immediately. Because if you wait too long, they don't associate their action with what you're saying to them. Because to them, that was, you know, it was just, it was just yesterday, Mm -hmm. but that was, that's light years away from what they did. Yes. And so it has to be immediate in order for it to, the lesson to be more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate it. Anyhow, take care. All right. And I do see Mr. Amelia is also calling back. Um, good morning, caller. Welcome back. Uh-oh. Caller? Let me see here. There we go. Good morning, caller. Welcome back. Thank you, Sandy. I would just want to clarify what that gentleman was just saying. Mm-hmm. Numbers selling on the outside. Who said anything about numbers were selling on the outside? Numbers are being sold on the inside mm-hmm. of the premises, not on the outside. Number two, oh, he complained about the people where um, police would be outside if mm-hmm. this was to be staking out the place, mosquitoes and all that. Let me let me give a, let me give you an example. We had a, a quality police officer mm-hmm. who I am aware of. But you know, I am a I'm very active in our communities. Mm-hmm. The officer dressed like a thief and rode in to a certain community, mm-hmm. observe all what was going on. Mm. And when it was time for him to do what he had to do, he had the evidence. We have police lacking of doing their jobs. If they're so interested, let's just switch it up. Suppose this these number sales was along West Bay Road on fire or, or um, hotels that are owned by these multimillionaires. Mm, mm, mm. Don't you think the police? You know? Well, we're about Don't to we're, think- we're about to get there next. That's exactly where the conversation's okay. going next. Okay, my darling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run ahead of you, but <laughs> that's just my concern. Yes, oh, we're 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 gonna get there. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going right there right oh now. Thank All you, right, darling. darling okay, good. <laughs> yes, honey child. We're not leaving none of it out. Uh, we are going to get there. I keep unplugging the phone. Some of you might notice me doing something here because the phone, I didn't realize that the phone was almost dead this morning. And with the number of calls coming in between calls, I'm just charging it. So, so listen, a couple comments have come in. So let me just um, read and share these. So one person says, um, oh, yes, someone has sent me the definition of a common gaming house. Oh, the gambling law. Thank you so much. I was starting to wonder this morning if gambling was covered under the penal code or there was a separate law for it. And it looks like there's a separate law. So let's have a look at that here in a second. Someone else says that morning, interesting topic. It's very important to note that information and even intelligence does not always equal evidence that is admissible in court. Also, what is admissible in a U.S. court is not always admissible admissible in a U.K. or C.I. court. For example, hearsay evidence. Well, hearsay evidence normally isn't admissible anywhere, to be honest. Um, but what I will say is definitely a lot of us watch TV and we think we have an understanding of how um, the investigative process works and how crime solving works. And that's not really quite how it works. 
there are some differences between the, the two things. So there are some differences between what you would see on like the first 48 versus, you know, uh, what perhaps happens in the Cayman Islands. But when you've got major incidents, so someone has been murdered, a lot of the um, footwork that is done by the detectives is the same type of footwork. You know, there's no smoking gun. There's a lot of times there's like, you know, they haven't had time to analyze the evidence um, forensically yet. But one of the first things they do is they start walking the streets. Like they literally go door to door, knocking on doors, talking to the neighbors. Did you see anything? Did you hear anything? I'll give you an example of one episode I was watching the other day. The neighbor says, you know what? For the last couple of days, I did notice a white van over there with red stripes on it. Um, that was parked. So then the police initially thought, oh, maybe someone was casing out the place because it was a robbery. And in the process of the robbery, they killed a 60 something year old um, pastor in, in this rental home. So they thought, right, maybe that was that van was casing out the place. Come to find out that was a dead end. So they tracked down the van very, very quickly because it was the son of the pastor's roommate. And he was like, no, I was just helping my dad move. You know, they spoke to him. They took a look in his, when they met him, it's just in a random parking lot, by the way, they didn't even call him in. He said, sure, I'll come and meet you. And they said, can we look inside the van? And they were looking to see if they found that 46 inch TV. There's no TV in there. And they ascertained very, very quickly that he was not even a person of interest, that he was there, as he said, just to help, you know, his dad um, move. And that was it, you know, um, and they continued to follow up their inquiries. But a lot of what they did was going door to door. And that's what eventually led them to their suspect, a man who was arrested and charged with, I think it was second degree manslaughter, right? Um, and it was just a robbery that went bad again. And in the commission of the robbery, he ends up killing someone. And when they were talking to one of the neighbors, they said, you know what? There's a kid that kind of hangs around the place. Everybody knows he's got a drug problem. And, you know, he's always trying to steal from people and rob from people. So when they first brought him in, he's like, yeah, you know, I robbed from people, whatever, but I don't kill nobody. I've never killed anybody. And they start, they keep talking to him. They said, really? Are you sure? Because, you know, the forensic evidence is going to be, continued to be examined. And if you left behind a fingerprint, because you were probably high at the time and you didn't wear gloves, you didn't do that. And he, you know, eventually he just was like, yeah, it was me. Um, and sometimes they don't admit it and they have to have a full trial and, you know, you bring out all the evidence that you have against the individual. But there is a process that I think a lot of us do not appreciate. And part of it really is that the police need our help. So I understand um, sometimes, you know, it's a little bit annoying to hear the police keep saying, well, they need the, the public come forward. But if that's what they need um, in order to get cases solved, we need to be assisting them as much as possible. Now, uh, is there an issue and concern about if you come forward, you know, what they're able to do for you? Yes, in terms of protecting you, of course, that's a concern. But this concept of uh, businesses being used for illegal gain and gambling has been ongoing for a really, really long time. This is nothing new. Mm -mm. So one of the things, I'm just having a look here um, at some, let me just see here. This is an article I found dating back, back to 2018, talking about one of the things that they need to do is to um, increase exponentially the punishment right? 
targeting popular underground lottery games known as numbers. And so back in 2018, they were talking about if the new legislation is passed, and then as all laws should be enforced uniformly and universally, it would test the capacity of the Cayman Islands police and put further strain on judicial and correctional facilities. Um, so back in 2018, there was a proposed gambling amendment bill. Whatever happened to that bill? So here's what that bill was gonna do. For playing a lottery or being found in a gaming house, it would increase the current fine. Listen to this BS. This is this is a problem legislatively, right? Now this is where y'all need to get upset with your elected officials. And I'm not talking about the current bunch because they literally just got in. They can't fix everything overnight. But this one's from 2018, the previous administration, and I'm gonna confirm that this never got passed, but I certainly never heard anything about any amendments to the gambling bill or the, the gambling act, right? It would have increased the current 10 dollar fine that's what you get fined right now if you're caught are you kidding me this can't be real hold on a second give me one two two let me just look up what the actual gambling it should be called a gambling act now let me see what it says because if if this is the case if this is what it is it is no wonder <laughs> it is no wonder that we have a problem k-man seriously all right, so let's go to gov.ky where we can pull all current legislation. So you get caught gambling and you're fined $10. What, what deterrence is there? Help me out here. So gambling, let's just see. So in case you guys wanna know, legislation.gov.ky, there is um, all of the current laws in force. Let me show this to our online audiences, uh, audience, I should say. Want to make sure you guys are well informed now. So here you go. This is how you find any laws that are currently on the books. Okay. Let me do a little increase in the screen so y'all can see it. And we are looking for gambling. So we got EFG, Gambling Act 2016 revision. So I don't even know, need to go any further. I can tell you that means that obviously the 2018 amendment bill never got passed. Nothing ever happened with it. No, sir. Mm -mm -mm. This is the problem right here, folks. So the Gambling Act 2016 revision remains in place. What would be nice with this website? If they actually had all of these laws hyperlinked where you could just click on it and boom, it'll take you right to the law. But no, they want to make my life a little bit more difficult <laughs> in terms of finding it. All right. So let me find it. And then I'm going to tell you what it says here. Um... All right, let me see if I can find it. Okay, here we go. Uh -huh. So $10 if you uh, get caught with um, gambling is, is what it is right now. That's clearly no deterrence. Um, so the, the bill was proposing to increase that to two months imprisonment. No, so it's... $10 fine and two months imprisonment, uh, increase the $2,500 fine and six months imprisonment. That's for playing the lottery, right? Playing illegal numbers. For buying or selling lottery tickets. Um, so even being found in a gaming house is, is technically an offense. For buying or selling lottery tickets or assembling for lottery results, increase the current $40 fine. Here it is now. 
and two months imprisonment to $5,000 fine and a year imprisonment for using a premise for gambling, publishing lottery numbers, or handling money resulting from gambling activities, increase the current $400 fine to one year imprisonment, uh, sorry, increase the current $400 fine and one year imprisonment to $10,000 fine and three years imprisonment. For keeping a gaming house, conducting a lottery or participating in a lottery, increase the current $100 fine and six months imprisonment to a $20,000 fine and three years imprisonment. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. So the police have complained as of 2018 that they have seen an increase in the number of incidents involving persons engaged in different forms of illegal gambling activities. And yet this, um, I don't know whatever happened to this, uh, bill, gambling amendment bill 2018, nothing was ever done with. Can we, you think we can get some answers from the progressive government? Can we find out why? They didn't do anything, why it was never a priority. Like I said, it's not like this is the first time that somebody has lost their life as a result of being a number seller and they were targeted by other unsavory individuals in the community. All right, let's have a look at the gambling law. So it's technically now called the Gambling Act. So this version hasn't had a name change. 2016 revision. So remember now, uh, because of some changes, in our constitution, all laws are now called acts, right? So we have um, offenses under section four. We have a common, oh, this one is even hyperlinked. Oh gosh, offenses. So let's just scroll down to uh, number four. Uh, every common gaming house is hereby declared to be a common and public nuisance contrary to law. So they kind of define what that is. A person who being the owner or occupier or having the use temporarily or otherwise keeps or uses a place as a common gaming house. So that's an offense. A person who permits a place of which he is the owner or occupier or of which he has the use temporarily otherwise to be kept as a gaming place. So that's B. So um, again, how would you permit it? It's not like you have to give them a, a lease that says, oh, by the way, you're able to, um, you know, have a gaming house here. Sometimes you permit it by turning a blind eye and doing nothing about it. Has the care or management of, or in any manner, assist in the manage of, management of a place, kept or used as a common gaming house, yeah? Receives indirectly or directly any money or money is worth for or in respect of any chance in blah, blah, blah. So you're benefiting from it. Draws, throws, declares, or exhibits expressly or otherwise the winner. Uh-huh. So this is pretty much covering everybody. People who write, print, publish, a cause to be written. So these are people of the books, the lotto tickets, list of the prices, the ones who make the announcement. Because remember, in this illegal lottery business, you've got different people. Um, you know, who are doing different aspects of it. Some of them are the bankers. And all they do is deal with the money. Like they collect the money and they distribute the money. They're actually not selling. But this law fairly does a fairly good job of covering all of the individuals who could be involved in the process. 
right? Advances or furnishes money for the purpose of establishing or conducting the business of a common gaming house. And it just goes on. Commits an act of unlawful gaming. But the penalties, I cannot believe it. $10, uh, $40. Yeah. It's no wonder that the police can't even be bothered. Like the the time that you're literally going to take to arrest someone, to have them go to court and pay a $10 fine or a $40 fine. And let's just say that that would not even really be worth your time. The paperwork that you have to fill out as an officer. Uh, yeah, I, I I can see part of the problem here um, already, folks, and it really appears quite obvious to me. Why is this not a priority, though, for our elected officials? That's a question that you're going to have to ask them because I simply don't know. Hmm. Now, th- this is what you call a hot mess right here. Wow. Okay, well, um, this government uh, should now be aware that this is a problem. So the premier issued a statement um, over the weekend. I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to see it. I'm going to play that statement now. And then I want to come back to the idea that I was just saying to Ms. Romelia, where the incident on Friday, which we'll talk about as part of her Monday Rewind, a lot of people are very, very... um, Concern because this was in their neighborhood, their neighborhood being that seven mile quadrant, multi million dollar homes, businesses, tourist area. And all of a sudden, they're like, What's happening in my neighborhood? Some of them actually took to social media to express their concerns. And I thought it was very interesting how people reacted to that. So let's talk about that as well. Um, Super interesting. Let's take a quick, quick commercial break, listen to what the premier said, and then we'll continue the discussion this morning. At Innovative Building Products, we provide professional builders and homeowners with the highest quality materials from top brands worldwide. Tiling tools, waterproofing systems, fin sets, self-levelers, grout, along with porcelain floor and wall tiles. Our products are 100% guaranteed, promise 100% satisfaction, and beat competitor pricing. Pallets of materials are ready to go. Quick and easy convenience to get you in and out within five minutes. Good day, everyone. Over the past week, we have had a number of tragedies. We've had a number of crimes committed in our community, which have had a major impact on the lives of people, which has created pain, grief, and concern in the community. I want to say that this is absolutely regrettable, unacceptable, and we share the concerns of people in the community. I also want to thank the Royal Cayman Islands Police Force for the great work they have done so far. They've made a lot of progress in the, in the investigations. and they are confident that they will be able to resolve these crimes. 
that doesn't change the fact that we have lost people in our community, people with families, people with relatives, with siblings, with children. There is pain and there is concern. Now, I think as a country, we can have confidence in the Royal Cayman Islands Police Service. But we also need to reflect on ourselves as a community. We have a small group of people involved in this criminal activity. And there are people who, within our community, who they associate with, they live with, they interact with. And there are people who facilitate this, facilitate their activities, people who enable their activities. As a community, we are better than that. And we must be better than that. We have to address the issues and take this as a position of zero tolerance. We cannot have a place as wonderful as the Cayman Islands with this kind of criminal activity being tolerated. So while I'm asking the community to remain calm, I'm asking the community as well to be as intolerant of this kind of activity as we in government are, to be as committed to addressing these concerns and preventing these sorts of needless, tr painful tragedies from occurring as we in government are, as those and the Cayman Island Police Service, the Royal Cayman Island Police Service are. Let's try to commit to reducing this sort of thing. Let's try to commit to being very open and sharing information when we have it. We know the numbers, the police give out the numbers. There's the Crime Stoppers program. Let us commit as a country, as a community, to looking after each other's interests, to looking after our collective community interests. That is what I would like to see us moving forward and doing as a country so that we don't have, as a community, as individual families, to have to feel the kind of grief that I know these families have been going through. It shouldn't have to happen. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, fellow Caymanians and residents of our beautiful, wonderful Cayman Islands. All right, folks, so that was a message um, issued by the premier. Um, of course, you know that last week he was actually off island when both murders, I think, uh, took place. So um, his message came out late on, I believe it's Friday. And so, you know, he's asking for the community's assistance in trying to solve this. Someone was just asking me, and they have a very good question, about what is the definition of gambling? Because a lot of times uh, we have what most would term gambling, but because they're a nonprofit organization, 
we think that that's okay. And I mean, I guess the police might not do anything about it, but here it says gambling means to play at any game, whether of skill or chance for money or for money's worth. So that's the basic definition of gambling in the law. And of course, then the offenses that are committed, as I mentioned earlier, are listed in section four of the law. Now, I don't know, I'll have to look at the law a little bit more closely here to see if there are any specific exemptions from that, because I know that obviously a lot of NPOs will have, um, you know, raffle tickets and that sort of thing. So I do not know if raffle tickets are actually exempt from this. There could be some other section that talks about exemptions. Uh, I'll have I'll have a look a little bit later on to see um, acts done under this law exempt from actions for damages. That's section 24. I don't think that's really what I'm looking for. But I'll have a look because, listen, I, I people have sent me video footage of people um, playing poker, people having poker nights and they're gambling or whatever. And they have said to me, Sandy, is this gambling or is it not gambling? And just because it's certain people that are doing it and it's being held like at certain restaurants or certain venues, um, is it gambling or not? And in my opinion, it still falls under that very broad definition of gambling. So it's not just the money selling, it's the poker nights, it's the, you know, all these other things, they would fall under this definition of gambling also. And I don't, on the face of it, see any specific exemptions um, here, but I do know that NPOs get a pass for what they do because it's being done in the name of fundraising. So when they raffle off a, a, a car, are you not buying that car um, or buying a ticket to potentially win that car? Is that not a game of chance? Of course it is. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how far this goes. It is a, it is an interesting question. I wonder if section 12 addresses this. Um, Common Gaming House, what's included in that? Uh, but I, I think I think how the law might distinguish the two, like if you as an NPO just have a, a raffle for a specific event, and that's not your ongoing business, so you're not in the business of doing a raffle every single weekend, it's probably a little bit different because it's just like a one-off annual fundraiser, biannual fundraiser or whatever. It really isn't about you making that your primary business where you're trying to make money. You're actually just trying to raise funds for, you know, a, a nonprofit organization. Mm, some people may say there's not much of a difference there. And I could see where it is a very gray area. Um, I don't really see anything in the law that exempts it, to be honest. Huh. Okay, I'll, I'll inquire a little bit more to see what more we could potentially find out about that. Um, so again, folks, some people are in favor of, of gambling, some people are not. Um, there are people who, here's one other person on WhatsApp who sent in this message. They said, um, so one person says, so all the charity lotteries and ticket selling are still illegal. Potentially, I think if you're taking a very strict uh, reading of the law that that is potentially correct. So one other person says, gambling, question mark, I do not condone gambling. It is illegal in these islands. Having said that, what's the difference between the selling of numbers ah, and the selling of fundraising tickets? I'm just seeing this message. 
by the service clubs and even the supporters of the agriculture department for cars and cash. They're the same things. If you stop one, you stop all. And question is, do we have competent people drafting our laws and at the same time, are legislators simply rubber stamping the submissions and not reading them before passing them into law as well? Not only are they supposed to be reading them, but in most instances, they stand up for at least two hours and they debate the laws as well. So let's assume that they're reading them in order for them to be able to debate it. This is why I say to all of you, um, when things are happening in the legislative assembly, you need to pay attention. The House of Parliament now is what it's called. You need to be paying attention, folks, and making sure that you hear the arguments, uh, both the pros and the cons of any legislation that's being passed. You hear the submissions of each person um, who is your elected official, your MPs, and um, you know you judge them based on those types of standards, not because they went to high school with you and they were in Lions Club with you. You start to base, to base um, you know, your vote for them based on some real tangible standards. Good morning, caller. Morning. The, the, the comment about uh, what's the difference between like raffles and, um, and the lottery tickets triggered a little story in my mind that I think your audience might find amusing. I was listening to an interview of Kipling Douglas many years ago, and he was asked this question. He said, they, he was asked, well, what's, what's the difference between raffles and uh, gambling? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, when you buy a raffle ticket, you're, it's not gambling in the sense of like how you would think of like Honduras or Jamaican uh, lottery. Because what you're actually paying for when you buy the ticket is entrance to an event. Now your ticket might go in a, in in something that raffles and you get a prize or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not what you're buying. You're buying entrance to an event. Now, talk about parsing words. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, but a lot of times you're not buying entrance to an event. You're just buying the ticket to win the I car. Am, <laughs> I am. And that's what that's what your your caller or mess uh, uh poster is saying yeah. is like uh, what's going on here and you you rightly pointed out yes it's illegal unless you fall into that very narrow category of persons um i think it's churches and i can't remember what the other one is but <clears throat> all the other stuff technically yeah as so Aline here says that there's actually an exemption for NPOs as it relates to selling raffle tickets. Can't recall the law, but it was done several years ago. So does anybody know where this exemption That's is? Correct. That's correct. I, I remember when that took place. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. that is correct. And, and essentially, this is something that Billy Adam always talks about, right? He say what happens is that we make laws mm -hmm. and then we don't follow laws. So we have the law and then we have the practice. And then the purpose of the amendment is to make legal what the practice is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what's happening here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, unfortunately, I can see the problem there for sure. Thank you so much, Dave. Right, Appreciate care. it. What a hot mess, but let's move on. There was a lot that happened over the weekend. So let's talk about the um, incident on Friday. So on Friday evening, of course, you know, I'm minding my own business at home. <laughs> I had someone call me, oh, Sandy, what you doing? Why don't you, 
why didn't you come out and hang out with me? I'm at, you know, whatever little local um, place in West Bay Road. And I was like, who? Me? No, no thanks, TD. I, I pay way too much money in a mortgage not to try and enjoy some of my place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm one of those people that I'm, lis listen, when that mortgage come due, and I think about, gosh, I was on the road all day. I was working all day. Mm, spent like literally just slept at home. I'm like, no, I want to enjoy my kitchen. I want to turn on the stove. I wish I had a pool because I'd be out there dabbling my feet in the pool. Uh, we have an outside garden. So yes, I'm growing. Oh, did I tell y'all I got some plantains out the garden? Yeah, please. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, hubby. Got me some nice plantains. It should be ready right about now. I've fried them up over the next day or so. So, you know, I, I want to enjoy my house because I'm paying a lot of money for it. Interest out the wazoo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Y'all don't catch me in the streets too, too much. And I'm going to spend more money. I better stay home and try and cook, Joe. Anyway, my daughter had a play date Friday. So I was like, nah, we're, we're going to be home. She hadn't seen her little friend in a while. So, you know, she's going to enjoy her little play date, enjoy her little playroom over there in the corner. And so not long after that, my phone started blowing up. Oh, my God, Sandy, what's going on? I started getting all these messages and all these, um, you know, video footage of stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, literally. Um, all of West Bay Road was a hot mess. I, I, I just don't even know what to say. Uh, police running to and fro. I'm going to show you guys some footage just in case you missed it. We did have it up on our social media platform. So you guys know this already, right? As things are popping off and as they're happening, like in real time, we try to put it up because you guys need to be well-informed. You need to know what's going on. And um, part of knowing what's going on is that, you know, you need to make sure that you are out there and getting out of the way of the police. Because sometimes y'all got caught in traffic messaging me. Oh, what's the traffic holdup? I don't know what's going on. I'm like, the traffic holdup? There is a major incident right now on West Bay Road. And if you don't need to be in it, get out of it. Let the police do their job. They walk around with the big weapons and all that sort of stuff. You know, just get out of the way because you're only causing more congestion. Now I saw some, some person on Instagram, they, they didn't get the point. Um, they were like, oh, isn't that aiding and abetting by you telling people to stay out of the way? And I said to myself, some of y'all ain't got no sense. This is, this is when I have to bring out my donkey, my hee-haw of the day. Um, let me see if that button works. Y'all hear that donkey straining under the stress of being so silly? I mean, seriously? This isn't aiding and abetting. This is about step out of the way. The police are busy. They have stuff going on. Right? They're trying to apprehend some wanted men who, by the way, armed and dangerous. Why are you why are you getting all up in the police business for? Like, oh, let me let me just be in their way. Let me just sit in traffic. If you don't need to be there, rest assured you shouldn't be there. So um they apprehended one person. They said another guy is still very much on the loose. So let's have a look at some of the action that went down. So the, the police later um, mentioned that, you know, there was a traffic stop. So, you know, when they said on Thursday at the police um, press conference that they were looking for these guys, they know who they're looking for. We're sitting there going, well, why don't you tell us who you're looking for? It might be helpful because the public might be able to assist. 
And, you know, they seem, they seem hesitant um, to do like a K-Man's most wanted list, which I'm not really sure why. They only do it when they're super desperate. And we have the ability, trust me when I tell you, if, if K-Manians can do one thing, it is to chat people business. And we all do it. And we all know stuff about people. And we know that this one hiding down in such and such a bush and this one hiding down. Y'all know each other business. You know what's going on? So the police seem to pick and choose when they want our help. And my thing is, listen, if you're serious about the people helping you, well, the people are saying that they want to help you all the time. <laughs> Put out the 10 most wanted lists, not just when the situation is super desperate. Uh-huh. Let us know. So here they are carrying out this operation. They did a traffic stop, they said. And this was one of the guys that they wanted. Wow. Well, here you go. They caught one. Um, I saw some people on Instagram naming him. I don't know who this young man is, but they're like, ooh, you need to stop being so bad. Uh, there they are with their big, what weapons are these? Are these AK-16s, AK-40s? I don't even know what, what numbers they are. Big guns. Uh, one person messaged me and said, well, the police don't have no guns. So how do they get arrest dangerous criminals? I said, chat, please. They have a firearm response unit who has guns. They got more than enough ammunition, I'm sure. And here they are in their gear and they carry handguns. They carry whatever these weapons are. And, um, you know, they're, they're fully, they're fully loaded. So this was out by Lakovia. They were down Lizard Lane. I mean, the, the streets were hot on Friday night. And I said to myself and a few other people, listen, if you don't need to go out this weekend, make this weekend be the weekend you stay home and hang with the fam and uh, just enjoy your backyard. Put on the grill or something, you know, that's what I'm saying. Because the streets are going to be hot for more reasons than one. Here's a little bit of video footage in that. So the police were all over the place. Believe me, you, they were, it, it, it was just super hot. Morning, Scott, how you doing? So, um, yeah, just get out the way. You know that song, Get Out The Way? This is a perfect time to play that. Uh, there was another one. Did you guys see this apprehension video? Hold on one second. Let me show this. This was people on the, um, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but this was actually people on the bus catching the action. So hold on, let me just show you guys this one. Uh, one second here. So these were the bus folks in on the action. They were all into it, y'all. They're recording on the bus. They're like, the, the bus ride this evening just got exciting. Hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. In case you missed this one, this one was a hot video from the activities. So here, here you go, folks. Wow. 
There he is running, folks. Look at that. Police might have to start working out a little bit more. A mess. Mm -mm -mm. So, um, folks, yes, that's that's what went down. The uh, the criminals were on the run. One started to take off his clothes and was trying to get in the um, in the ocean. He was going for a run. Uh, as you can hear in that video, people on the bus is like, "Why can't they shoot him in the back?" <laughs> It's not lost on me that it was Jamaican saying that. I mean, I had to chuckle. I was like, wait a minute. Jamaicans telling somebody to shoot somebody in the back? Uh, especially when you guys complain all the time that your police force is like the worst in the world and how they have no concept of human rights. And yes, in Jamaica, you'll get shot for looking wrong at the police officer. You know, trust me, they've shot a pregnant woman who was just back chatting him, shot the woman. I can't remember if that one they killed or not. I can't remember now, but <laughs> y'all know what I mean. They, they just not playing around. So um, super interesting that they're like, just shoot him in the back. Well, the police folks, believe it or not, would uh, be under a, a real investigation. Anytime a shot is fired, my understanding is that that has to be reported to maybe the ombudsman's office and they immediately have to carry out an investigation. So they don't shoot people uh, quite so easily in this jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Now, shooting him in the back with that type of weaponry, I, I, I don't know, this is probably Denny's gonna have to call back in, but I don't know how precise you could be with that weapon. You'd have to probably be a pretty decent shot. This is the height of five o'clock traffic, folks. People are up and down the street. You see on the bus, the cars are there. People looking at the cars. You see the two guys running, taking off. You might end up hitting a civilian and killing a civilian quicker than you would shoot one of them in the back and actually meet your target. And again, you know, the family members of these people are probably sitting here right now this morning watching this show going, oh, y'all trying to kill my son? Although your son's a badass and has no regard for the law, um, he still has rights and he has a right to life, right? So shooting him in the back, eh. Maybe not the best idea in the world. He's moving. He's a moving target. How easy it would be to shoot him in the leg. These things are not, this is not TV, y'all. This is not an HBO special. <laughs> you know, it's not quite that easy to um, carry out those types of actions in that moment, right? And everybody is under stress. I mean, you have to understand. Next thing you know, we'll be like America where you just shoot people randomly in the back. Remember just the other day, they shot another African-American guy in the back for like literally no reason. They were just trying to arrest the guy, and I don't even think he was running. They just execution style. Oh, let's just shoot him. And then we'll try to explain it away later. And then they go, oops, oh, there was CCTV footage. Oh, my God, somebody recorded it. Oh, no. 
then you get to go to jail as an officer for killing somebody. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's not let's not advocate just shooting people in the back as a way to stop them. But anyway, they captured one. He was pulling off clothes, trying to run in the ocean, and um, he was captured. And then the next one, uh, he's still on the loose. Yeah, he's like Houdini. Can't find him. Got a caller. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Very interesting indeed. Just yes, a question. Um, those life jackets that they found washed up in the mangrove. Mm. How is it? <laughs> Wouldn't you think that uh, maybe the owners of them took them off and went running on the land? Um, I mean, I don't know. So what the what the authorities have said, the Coast Guard and others, is that they don't necessarily know that it's from that drug boat. They think it could. There's a there's certainly a possibility that it is. And so, um, you know, they haven't had any indications that these guys are on land or alive, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But uh, what they have indicated is that you are um, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble if you go out in that area, especially at night, uh, even if you can swim. And we know a lot of these guys are coming in who cannot swim. So um, if the if the life vest came off, I, I doubt, given where it was found, that they were just taking them off to, to go on shore. But who knows? Right. Yeah. Well, just a thought. And then the other thing is that um, I'm aware of two incidents in particular, mm-hmm. you know, where the um, police was called. It's not a, a really alarming issue, but um, to retrieve back somebody's property. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the police... At times, I wonder if they just have a laid-back um, disposition, really. Mm. You know, instead of really carrying out their duty, um, mm-hmm. let the person have their belongings. But no, they 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 succumb to the um, you know, the harshness of of who was withholding someone's belongings and all of that. Mm. Do they sometimes just see police just dressed up in a uniform, and that's it? You know, they're just laid back at times. Just a question. I think it's entirely possible. And I, I think that uh, there are some officers who exhibit that behavior. And, you know, that is part of the reason why there's not a whole lot of public confidence in the RCIPS. Because we, go, we do see the officer who breaks the traffic law in town two days in a row in central Georgetown, right? With parking. We do see officers, you call them about a stolen car, three hours later, they show up. And it's like... <laughs> What exactly have you been doing for the past three hours? Um, so I think there are a lot of things that that go on uh, that make us question whether or not the police are doing such a great job. And then, you know, they say that, listen, we are solving crimes. We are doing our best. We're, so say it's even 10, 15, 20 percent of the force that's making them look bad. That's 10, 15, 20 percent too many, unfortunately. And so um, I think they do have some issues that they they have to address. Uh, they've been doing a lot of community policing, however. You know, I have been going to the NRA meetings in all the different districts, and the police have been coming out and participating in those. And, you know, they've got, they've hired a new complement of community officers, especially for the Eastern District. So East End, North Side, Bodentown, and, you know, they're out there in the community. They're really making some strides to try to um, improve their participation in the community, their public persona, they're reachable by phone, they're telling people, this is my WhatsApp number. There's a young lady down in Windsor Park who's been doing a really good job. So I I think that they're making strides. Uh, So I wanna give them credit for that. 
but I do take your point as well. Yeah, so that's true. Well, I guess in everything in life, you will find the good and the bad, positive yes. and negative, you know, because uh, maybe some are just there for the, the pretty, the pretty um, pocket, pocket pillow at the end of the month, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, like I say, you, you can portray yourself as laid back and easygoing, not really carrying out the, yeah. the um, your, your, your training or what have you. Your duties, yes. Back. You know, not wanting to really be involved because of maybe complications or what have you. So you just let it slide, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thanks for listening. All right, my dear. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay. 936, folks, 2626 is the telephone number. That's 936-BOBO. Do feel free um, to call into the program. So these guys got away. Uh, one got captured, trying to take his clothes off. <clears throat> the other one um, got away and he remains a fugitive at large. So I'm going to show you his picture, folks. Um, if you know this man, if you're his family member and you know where he's hiding out, I would really hope, even for his sake, that you um, encourage him, send him a WhatsApp message. He's probably checking his phones. Um, encourage him to turn himself in. That would be in his best interest. So police are desperate to find this young man. He's 23 years old. My apologies. Justin Kyle Jackson is his name last known to be living in the West Bay area. And they confirmed this time that he was part of a last night's pursuit, which happened on Friday night. So this came out on Saturday. They're asking for your assistance. This is his photo. And I'm so glad that they actually have a decent photo of him because um, a lot of times when the police are like, oh, we need to find this person, they have a photo that's like 50 years old and you can't even make out who the person is. This one's not too bad. Uh, but, you know, we live in a... a a technologically advanced, you know, era now where they should have high definition. Even this one's fuzzy. They should be taking these pictures in HD. They should be taking photos of all of their markings, like tattoos and anything else that could be of interest because sometimes they change up their looks. And when they need to find someone, those are the things that they could make available to the public. I'm always surprised. Even the girls that go missing, think about this for a second. All the girls that go missing at the Francis Bodden home, all the children, they have never been able to provide a decent photo of any of those girls. So I'm like, hold on, you have girls in your custody and you don't even, as part of their intake process, decide to take their photo and have like a decent photo in case something happens to the child. The child is kidnapped, the child runs off, it is missing. Nothing? Uh, can somebody send that memo over to Kay's Foundation that that could be part of their intake process? I'm just saying. It's, it's little things like this, right? And like I said, we can be part of the solution. So I'm all about giving them free ideas. You don't have to pay me for an idea. But can someone at least start to do decent photography of the individuals? Good morning, caller. This is going to be a record for you now, you know. You, you, got, you soon get to that eight-hour conversation. <laughs> um, maybe this is an audition to be a guest host. Oh, I hear um, you, Denny. <laughs> um, I want to talk ab about two aspects of the police using firearms or in, in the public like that. Mm -hmm. One is a legal one. If you go to the Constitution and you look up the Bill of Rights, there's a derogation to the Bill of Rights, to mm -hmm. the right to life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what parents need to understand is that while you say you can't shoot them in the back, I, that's a general rule, but 
as I found out in most things English, there are always exceptions to rules. And depending on the reason why they want to stop you, your right to life under the Constitution, they can kill you in the process of trying to apprehend you, and they would be considered lawful if they have a justifiable reason for doing so. Meaning you're such a threat to society that they, they need to stop you. So the people who think they're going to go out and run from the police need to understand that that's not a free ticket to just run and they're not going to do anything. They might have a good enough reason to stop you. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. The other point that I'd like to make is if you find yourself in the situation where police were like what I just saw in the video, um, have the gun pointing in a certain direction, if you hear shots fire, the thing to do is not to run. The thing to do is to get low. The reason for that is the probability is that if there's an exchange of fire between the officer and the criminal, the shots will go above you, right? Because if you're running about, you know, you could have a stray shot that just hit you because you're just trying to run away. And I know that instinctively some people might think that, but, it, but what you should really do is just get down on the ground. And the probability is, is that you'll be okay. Huh. That's all I really wanted to say about that. But right. can, officer, can officers engage someone with decent precision? Yes, but that's only part of the story. The mm -hmm. other part of the story is you don't know how many people are engaging. Mm -hmm. And when they return fire, then there isn't much of a safe zone except down on the ground or behind something. Right. And there was a shot fired, just for clarification. Uh, the police confirmed that there was a shot fired and it actually came from one of their officers. Okay. Just FYI. All right. Thank you, Denny. All right. Bye. Okay. So um, Denny is definitely thinking a lot this morning about the conversation. Uh, 936-2626, folks, is the telephone number. Feel free to call in if you're having some thoughts as well. So someone um, did say to me, just to answer that last, the previous caller's query about the um, life vests. Um, so I did ask last week, Thursday, when they indicated that they were calling off the search. And I said, um, okay, so no bodies have been found. They said that's actually not unheard of in the North Sound, sadly. And that, um, and so I, I asked a follow-up question, said, um, okay, so hopefully they didn't make it to land. And they said, if they did, they're very lucky. At night, the North Sound is not a place you want to fall in to for very long. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't know. Three of them went missing, two life vests found. Uh, did they make it to land? You know, if they did, somebody is basically harboring them. So folks, 23-year-old, uh, um, what's this young man's name again? Kyle Jackson, Justin Kyle Jackson, turn yourself in, young man. It's not worth it. Like, you're really taking a chance with the police because they're saying that you're armed and dangerous. And really, you're putting yourself in the line of fire, literally. There could be a confrontation that's going to cost you your life. You're only 23 years old. I don't know what, what kind of activity you're into at 23 years old. Um, obviously, the police want you for good reason. 
By the way, someone said, how did he get out of jail on um, some sort of license? And so they were inquiring about that. And I said, you know, this is where, again, we as viewers of the situation need to understand the courts sentence people. And I have seen this a million times where they only get to hear what the lawyers put before them and the judges know nothing else or the jurors know nothing else about an individual. And they're not really supposed to consider anything else unless it is properly brought into court as um, as evidence. But even when you know, you're know you doing sentencing, oh, you get these uh, social inquiry reports. The person had a rough life and uh, you know they were beaten by their mommy and they were this and that, and they were abused by this one. And not to say that those things are not true and they will definitely damage people. But a lot of times you have the judiciary trying to give people a chance, child. And they don't know how bad this seed is, that they should probably keep them locked up a lot longer. You know, they believe in trying to, well, y'all should be able to, as a community, rehabilitate these individuals. How are we rehabilitating them? Putting them in Northward is not rehabilitation. Putting them around other criminals, uh, you know, rolling a spliff half the day and probably watching porn the other half of the day is not rehabilitation, right? Speaking of which, where is the training manager? She's one of the deputy directors at Dukey Caesar at the prison. She has been put on suspension. Was it suspension or termination? I can't remember what they did or now, but something it was that was back in 2019. Let me see if I can even pull this story up. And since then, um, she has been on leave and they can't come to terms with what they're going to be. October the 23rd of 2019, deputy director at prisons, uh, suspended for second time in five years. So they claim that she was giving somebody attitude or something, one of her colleagues. And we have heard nothing about this. There's been no official government press release. This is just CMR getting the inside source. No one has ever said anything about it. 2019, and we're now in 2022. Three years, going into three years now. And she's still not on the job. And here's the kicker. Her area of responsibility was deputy director of rehabilitation. Since then, no one has been acting in her job. No one has been hired to run the rehabilitation program at the prison. Y'all want to know the real truth? about what's going on here? How can that be? So scrap rehabilitation at Northwood, it ain't happening. Y'all are being lied to. You don't even have the person in the job. The courses that you know they were being signed up for through, um, what was it called, in, in uh, Inspire Cayman, whatever happened to them. They, they invite us to come to a little, sh oh, show me, show me a little press release moment, take a photo, put this great story out there, and then we hear nothing about, there's no follow-up. How many people completed the program? How many were successful? Nothing. Mm -mm -mm. Yes, Jared says no, sir. That's about right. All right. So one of the interesting things that came out of the um, incident on Friday was the community chatter. The people in the community having a chat about this. Every group in Cayman, from the women in Cayman, um, formerly um, the Real Women of Cayman group, on social media, to others in the community, all of a sudden they're asking themselves, 
how is this happening in my neighborhood? So here's one that says, this is ridiculous. Where's our government? I live on Seven Mile Beach and can't believe that this is happening. Please, Joey Hugh, do something about this madness. Well, I had to chuckle because you live in Seven Mile Beach. Is this the first time you're experiencing this? Uh, you know, there are those of us who don't live on Seven Mile Beach who have had um, other concerns in the community. Uh, if you live down in Goat Yard, this is to Miss Romelia's point, are you going to expect a different experience? Well, in the real world, yes, you are, you, you are getting a different experience, right? You're more likely to see violence in certain neighborhoods, undoubtedly. But the real question is, is the police treating the situation differently because it is a touristy area, because it is a rich neighborhood, because it's a richer, more affluent area? You want the truth or you want me to lie to you this morning? The truth is, there's no such thing as complete fairness and equity in this world. And if you were told that that was the case, somebody has been lying to you your entire life. There are the haves and the have-nots, and there are different rules that apply. But that does not mean that when it comes to policing, that we should not be watching the police and making commentary on this and really encouraging them as a police service, to treat all neighborhoods with equality. But does it happen? Well, you tell me. You call for help down in, in you know, Dog City, Goat Yard, uh, Scranton, Windsor Park. The police response might not be as quick as if I'm down in Crystal Harbor, Governor's Harbor, where else? Uh, can't even remember. Can't even remember the name of some of these places. We got a lot of affluent neighborhoods in Cayman, right? They might get to you a little bit quicker if you live in the right kind of neighborhood. But this individual, I thought it was so interesting. She actually tagged Joey in her comment. Um, as far as I know, the progressives has not commented on this whole crime wave. But you know, what what what's Joey gonna do? Shall he can he can tell you lock the door. Have another glass of wine and turn the TV up a little bit. People are, people are afraid when they see it getting a little bit closer to their doorsteps. And this is why I always say you can't be someone in this country who does not understand the inequities that are created when you do certain things. When you create that gap between the haves and the have-nots that already exists, but it's being perpetrated even more. When you refuse to hire Caymanians, but you can bring in unqualified individuals from other jurisdictions all over the world, when you're importing poverty, right? When you don't wanna have anything to do with fixing anything in this country, you just here to make a buck and to purchase your nice million dollar home on the beach and you think that your life is gonna be hunky-dory forever. Well, at some point, somebody comes knocking on your door, honey, Joe. Whether it's going to be a home invasion, at some point, you're going to have to start putting burglar bars on your windows and doors. We've seen it happen in other jurisdictions, folks, and this is what it is. You can't contain 
criminality. And I hear people saying this all the time, even Caymanians, well, make them boys keep killing each other. I don't care. And I think to myself, really? Because you do understand the concept of spilling over, right? You do get that it's not like all of the criminals, all the gang members are just shooting themselves. They go after family members. We've seen a toddler, a baby become collateral damage of these situations and these disputes between people. An innocent child gets killed. They don't rob each other. They're coming to rob you because they think you got money in your rich neighborhoods. Home invasion, they're not likely to home invade down in Dog City, especially if you ain't got nothing. They're gonna come in your nice posh house where they're like, oh, you got a Rolex? Remember when they came in? Oh, you got a Rolex? Where's the safe? They don't even know if the people got a safe, but they're, listen, you're in a rich neighborhood. They're like, okay, you must have a safe. Show us the money. Give us the iPad. Give us the disc. Give us the that. That's what happens in the real world. So if you are really, really concerned about it coming to your neighborhood, we need to start having a serious discussion. Jared, good morning. Morning, Sunday. How are you? You can I'm hear right me good? Here, How are you? Oh, yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been watching everything and mm -hmm. I, I, <clears throat> I don't know what to say, but um, I, I guess giving credit to certain agencies and authorities for, mm -hmm. for working hard, I will say I'll give them a 10% credit, but the rest of the 90%, I, I would say I'm not seeing it. Um, I, I think people are understandably concerned. Um, I know the more affluent people who live on West Bay are more cautious as as they have the right to be. But mm -hmm. I think it, it it contrasts the reality of, of some of us who live in Cayman. <laughs> there, there are two different sides of Cayman. And it seems as if the one side of Cayman, to a degree, is, is spilling over to the other side, which is why the other side is a bit concerned. But you know this this all points back to the the community raising you know the breakdown in our social family structure as as the report mentions and and i noticed people behaving as if like oh that was so long ago but if if we don't have our fathers playing that important role we don't have our mothers playing that important role are we really surprised when children disrespect teachers disrespect police officers you know, and ride bikes out in the road without any care. So th there has been a certain level of lawlessness that has been happening, not not as bad as the other side, the affluent side may care to understand. But the rest of us who, who live in the real reality of Cayman, we see where that level of lawlessness is trickling over. So when the RCIPS is... I wouldn't say scrambling, but is trying to deal with what they have, with what they have. <laughs> of course, we're going to see things like this happen. So, you know, boohoo if you have to get a bit scared when reality hit you. But this is the this is the Caribbean. You mm. know, you, you know, we, we we're Caribbean islanders for a reason. We know how to rough it out and tug it out. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you come here with a little one million and two million and think, say, paradise is paradise 
Mm. You you better look through through the glass one more time because we know what it is. We know what's going on. We we know what's going on. And so for the the tourist landed people, mm. I hate to put it that way. <laughs> welcome to the Caribbean. <laughs> more importantly, welcome to the Cayman Islands. Unfortunately, it's it's not the paradise that used to be in terms of absolutely no crime or little to no crime, folks. Um, we need to wake up. Y'all better be reading that uh, that Yolanda Ford report. That's all I got to tell you. Um, yeah. So let, let's talk about the Cubans. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. But um, to that particular individual, and let me give credit where credit is due, because I don't want the progressives um, getting all their panties in a bunch. Apparently, someone just messaged and said they actually did do um, a video, I guess, last week or something. I don't really follow them. So my apologies for not knowing that. So kudos to them. Apparently, they did publish something. No clue what it says. Um, but, you know, they, they said something about their concerns, I'm sure, about the rise in crime. Yes. Okay. I still would love to know why you dropped the ball on the uh, gambling bill there. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the Cubans. More of them came in again this morning. I know y'all think I'm lying, but hey, yeah. Uh, came in Brack. <laughs> Clinton says the Brack in the middle of an annexation. Well, I don't know what we're calling this, but we got a problem here. Um, Jared, I'm going to pull you out for one quick second. I want you to do something to improve your audio, though. Your audio still... I'm going to fix it. I know what happened. Because okay. I don't got my um thing plugged in. Yeah, so I just plug, plug in your thing. Plug in your thing. <laughs> keep it, keep it plugged in. I know how these audio issues can be, my dear. But listen, over the weekend, we had um, sad Friday. Some came in, or was that Saturday? And then the night more came in. Listen, the BRAC is being inundated. They're mostly going to the BRAC. I don't know if that's just. Do they get to the BRAC first from Cuba? Is it just easier to go? I don't know. But they seem to be going in now. Some seem to be able to get there with looking very fresh and, uh, you know, hmm, me questioning if they are actually coming in on a boat or if this is something else that's going on. Others uh, got injured on the route. We had one over the week that got something happened to his foot, got caught or injured or something. Uh, last batch, not this morning, but the one from, what day are we, Monday? So that would be Saturday night around 11 o'clock at night. Um, I think one of them got injured coming in. They actually wrecked their boat on the Iron Shore. They were found walking in Bluff Road. I mean, this is just like crazy. Okay. More again this morning. So my sources indicate very reliably that they had another 20 that came in and um, eight decided to continue their journey and 12 got off and want to stay here. Now, let me be very clear because somebody said to me uh, a couple of days ago, well, why don't we just give them water and help them be on their way? Because the US is their preferred destination. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Despite the fact that we can't legally do that, uh, well, we can assist them. Um, I need to read up on what the position is, but we can assist them if they don't come on shore and if they don't want to stay, they can actually con continue their journey. And we don't assist them in the way that, that you would think. Uh, I think we can give them water and maybe some minor supplies or whatever for them to continue their journey. But this idea 
that their preferred um, location is the U.S., y'all might want to rethink that a little bit because it seems to me that their preferred location is anywhere but Cuba. I have been having some conversations because they always be messaging me, honey chow. Last week, one was calling during the show and I'm like, dude, I'm in the middle of a show. Why are you calling me? This is like the afternoon, I think, when we were doing the press conference and he kept calling, calling, calling. They're very insistent. I'm like, I'm in the middle of the show. Translate that. I can't talk to you right now. And they kept calling. Kept calling. I'm like, listen, don't have me to pull out some of them little Spanish bad words on you. Now, you know, come off my phone. I am live streaming. Stop calling me. And he kept calling and kept calling. He was messaging in English. And I'm like, on air. Cannot talk. No habla. And still you call in. I was like, really, dude? Because they're desperate to know of which, you know, some, some have disappeared, I understand. They haven't heard from certain batches. And they don't know where they landed or what's going on. But the ones that get here, well, I want to talk to them right now. I'm like, listen, I don't work for border control. I don't know how the process works. But what I've been told is they don't get immediate access to be able to call people. Right? Most of them not even traveling with proper identification. Some have multiple IDs that we don't know nothing about who they really are. And so there is an intake process. Here's another message Sunday, 1148 um, AM. Um, Hola, por favor, necesito saber de los uh, nine cubanos que llegaron ayer en la noche a uh, ocho hombres y una mujer. Uno de ellos se llama Rudisbel Fernandez Lopez. Es mi esposo. Now, you know, it's been a minute since I've taken Spanish, but this is basically what it says. It says, please, um, I need to know about the nine Cubans that arrived yesterday in the night, the eight men and one woman. Um, one of them, Sayama, is called Rudisbel. So his name is Rudisbel Fernando Fernandez Lopez, and he's my husband. And she says, por amor de Dios, uh, es para saber si está bien. So um, I think por amor de Dios is like, um, like for God's sake or whatever. I just need to know that they're okay. And I haven't even responded. I tell you, I get these messages all the time. And then it says, hola. They come back again this morning. Me pueden ayudar. Necesito saber. De los uh, ocho hombres y una mujer que llegaron es para saber si están bien, por favor. So again, um, hello, I would like your help. I need to know about the eight men and the one woman if they're okay. So Cha, now I got to go and try and talk in Spanish to these people. Buenos dias. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're coming. Like, this is, listen, they're coming. And there are people who believe that Cayman is now being targeted as a preferred jurisdiction. So one of them started to have a conversation with me. His English is actually pretty decent. Uh, you can tell normally when they're using a translator. And so he says to me on Friday afternoon, he says, sorry for my question. What happens with the family that the immigrant left behind if one day, if want to join with them in Cayman Islands. And I said, which immigrant? <laughs> what are you talking about? I want to immigrate to live and work in the Cayman Islands. I'm like, okay. I speak English and Portuguese too. And I'm looking for a place to work and have the freedom to grow as a person. And I want to use my abilities as a good worker and do the best of me. 
or give the best of me, he corrects himself. As a Cuban, it is too difficult to um, go overseas legal when just the people who have money can do it or people that have the favor, um, someone big in the government. Sorry to be so sincerely is what he says. And I said, well, I said, that's life all over the world, quite frankly. Everybody's trying to move somewhere else to better their life. And I said, normally the workers that come here only if the family can also find work, are they able to come or, you know, they can support the families. And so he says, I want to go and work and later my wife and my three children, but first I need to get there. Can you help me with that? I'm like, me? Honey, chill, not likely. Um, I'm thinking to go with my own family boat. It's little, but Cayman, Cayman Islands are close. My children are too young, 10, 9, and 2 years old. So he's thinking of coming in a boat. Which island is still accepting immigrant to work, please? Thanks for your help. And I said, hold on, honey child, pump the brakes. I said, you actually need to find someone who's going to hire you. Work permits can be granted. But I said, if you come here illegally, the government will send you back. It's um, an agreement with Cuba. And then he says, but a lot of Cubans are arriving here, you know. Even my friend, a friend of mine that is a doctor, came last week and he's working. Uh, really? He come last week and he working already? You got to be joking. I said, really? Then he goes on to tell me, someone told me that the agreement with Cuba is broken and that they're still accepting people that are trying to look for a better life far from their homeland. The situation is returned each day, uh, worse for the one with single lives of your work. I don't know what that means exactly, but anyway, the situation has turned every worst day and the essential things such as food, clothes, medicine, and other things. So I get it. I get that the pandemic has caused some serious concerns in Cuba as well as the Cuban government, but I don't know how that's, that's our problem. Goes on to say, and I say to him, well, that's not true. I said, they're giving you misinformation. No agreement with Cuba has changed or been dispensed with. Um, and then he says, what should I do? I'm like... <laughs> You need to stay behind in Cuba if you cannot come to this country legally. If you can come here legally and somebody has a job for you, I ain't got no problem with that. Even the HSA hires Cuban doctors. Folks, um, we, we are going to have to end the program on the radio, but we'll continue the conversation on our live stream between YouTube and uh, Facebook. So give me one second while we say we bid our on-air listeners adieu. You guys have a wonderful and safe Monday. Tomorrow, don't forget to tune in because the topics we didn't get to today as part of Monday Rewind, we will pick up for in tomorrow's conversation. So work hard, be good, give it 100%. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 7.30 a.m. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. All right, folks, so he continues the conversation and then eventually he, he comes back and he says, oh, you're right in everything. I asked to them and they explained everything. I was thinking that they went to work 
because they didn't come. It's not the case in the Cayman Islands. They don't looking for work around the world, for work around the world. I, I was just like, dude, uh, we don't have any shortage of workers here. Believe me when I tell you that. And if you're coming here as a Cuban national, you have to make sure that you're coming through the correct uh, mechanism, just like everybody else, to gain employment in this country. You can't just come on a boat. And we are well aware that a lot of these people claiming that they, they got um, political asylum, that's a bunch of BS. Government needs to start looking at these applications very, 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 very carefully. Uh, Charlene says, I'm so impressed with this young man, Jared. Keep it up. Wherever you're from, it's good to see you're the kind of young person uh, we need to support 100% because you're on the right track, obviously. Fatima says, process them ASAP and send those Cubans all back. Caymanians need the little resources any you got. We don't have a bottomless pit of money. And unfortunately, there is this sort of thinking, uh, Fatima, that we do have a bottomless pit of money. And that is a problem, folks. I'm going to FOI or not even FOI. I'm just going to send an email and say, can y'all please tell me how much money are we spending on these Cubans every single month? It's a lot of money. Ms. Morna says, I lost count. Me too. I, I can't even tell you how many. But listen, on average, each year, we average like 300. We are, we are well on our way to surpassing that. This is going to be another tent city. Yes, Jared, try your mouth dropping open. I I try not pop up because it makes up too much, man. Your mic's but still not picking up properly, you know. You're still not hearing me good? No. Flip flip the switch on that. All right. Let me um, know. Sue says, sadly, the divide between the haves and the have-not is becoming worse now. Some of the people who live in their high-rise condos think that they're untouchable. Well, nobody's untouchable, child. That's, that's the whole point. You can hear me better now? No. What? Emma says that. That would end up running crooked like everything here. So much stealing, uh, be worse than immigration corruption. I don't know what that's specifically in reference to. Uh, Jess says, so are you saying that we have now about 60 to 61 of them in the last week or so? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Mm-hmm. If it's mm -hmm. no, if it's no. Mm -mm. No? No. Something wrong yeah, check, with this. The, check the input. Make sure it's all on and check the input. Right. Miss Darlene says, Sandra, wife asking you about her husband's welfare. They're trying to take you for a clown. Well, I get the messages all the time. Sometimes they're WhatsApping me. I don't know how they all get my WhatsApp number, chow. But sometimes they're sending messages through the Facebook page. And they're always asking, you know, if these people have landed safely, what's going on with them. They're calling me. I mean, it's just like, what the heck? Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a desperate situation. Charlene, you can hear him clearly on Facebook. Oh, he sounds like he's in a hole to me. You can. Okay. So people can hear me. It's just, you can't hear me probably. Yeah. I mean, I can hear you. It just sounds but like you're not... in a hole. Okay. I, I try to fix that. But, um, I feel bad for this governor, Sandy. If, if I were him, I'd feel bad because if you have a drug crisis, allegedly, and you have a immigration crisis and then what other crisis we got? we got a whole heap of crises going on and you you can't you can't really fix all of them all at once mm -hmm. it, it, it is difficult and then we're in hurricane season so <laughs> it, you know it's it's going to be tough what i would want to question is how how these how how are the cubans knowing which points to come at because it seems that they have communications like they have a phone mm -hmm. you know has anybody been looking into that what what is the why is it taking so long to process individuals is it because we're at 
obviously we're adhering to human rights um Rules. Yeah, well, the, the length of time um, hasn't really been explained, to be honest. And and why so are flights going back yeah. to drop off? It's a very difficult situation in the sense that you understand why, why Cubans are leaving, but well, we, we can't we can't we have to accept our limitations as a point of, of destination, ultimately and what we can do, if anything, to help these people. So we can't be their solution to a poor economy in Cuba. We, we got our own problems, to be quite honest. But, I'm not trying to be rude. No. I know a lot of people have said, oh, but we have to remember close connections to Cuba. And there are a lot of Caymanians, when they couldn't find work here back in the day, that they had to go to Cuba. Well, I'm sure they went subject to the rules and the laws of the day. They didn't, they didn't enter Cuba illegally. And so, you know, we've got family in Cuba. Um, you know, they don't want, they didn't, they didn't, when they had the opportunity to come, came out, they didn't want to come. They're like, oh, you guys work too hard over there. Yes, child. They were like, oh, in Cuba, we get everything for free. They're used to the socialist handout system. They're like, oh no, we get a pound of rice every week. We get a, we get a cow. We get a this, we get that. And came out and people are hustling and working. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, we're, we're, we have a lot of people here already in work permits. Uh, once Caymanians who want employment can find employment, I don't have any issues accepting guest workers. I'm not that kind of person. But what I'm saying is you have to follow the process. Just like any other country, you go into the U.S. illegally, you're going to have problems. You can't come into Cayman on a boat and expect that we're going to allow you to stay. But you're the thing is, back home. the thing is, is that the immigration or work whichever agency is not processing it in a timely manner to deal with well, the build-up. supposedly, this new migration policy that they came up with the other day, but they, um, they have indicated that they're going to start to expedite the process because it does so take why, an why, So why was it not expedited before? Well, so part of the problem what? is if they apply for asylum, mm -hmm. you have to consider their application. Yeah, so you but can't the, repatriate them okay, if you apply for asylum. This is the issue, and I'll be very So bad. then mm -hmm. they have to start that process, and I don't know how yes, often the asylum board meets and you know, all the allowing things them. Okay, if, if they want, they need, okay, take a page out of America's book, right? Once the, and it's going to sound very harsh coming from, I hate to do this to my own Caribbean people, but like you said, we do not have the capacity. So once mm -hmm. the Cuban lands on the Caymanian Sea, is it bad to put them in a detention center and have the plane ready and fuel up to go back to Cuba? Mm -hmm. Because if it is the case that we allow Cubans to come and then they apply for the asylum, we cannot be upset that it takes this long. If the expedited, mm -hmm. we, we, we seem to like to wait after the fact when we have the, the build-up of issues. It's, oh, let me expedite it. You should have had been expediting the thing from the, the from it started. So don't do this now and then, oh, it wasn't done before that way. Come on. That don't make sense. That's why we had to build up. Mm -hmm. So either you have the airplane fueled up and ready to go and get it get it going or you, you accept the fact that they're going to be applying for asylums because that's what they're going to be doing. Because it don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You get what I'm saying? Because yeah. on one hand, I'm I'm seeing that okay, they come, they're applying for asylum. That is okay. 
but do not expedite a process that you do not plan to consistently abide by. That's the issue that I have with it, where it, it seems a bit one-off. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'm making much sense. You know, people might... <sighs> it just seems a bit much at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, Folks, we never did get to the fights in school. So we'll touch on that tomorrow after our um, rundown segment with Health City. We also, um, what what else was on the agenda today? Oh, God, we had a whole slew of things on the agenda that we did not get to. So we'll continue those conversations. Uh, Let me express a few condolences to people um, who have uh, passed away over the last couple of days, so over the weekend and Saturday, we got word that 104 years old, um, you know, this is such a sad situation because literally, I think it was just last week, uh, she celebrated a birthday. She's affectionately known as, let me get her full name here for you guys, um, Auntie, oh, let me see here now. Um, one second, let me just get her name for you guys. But she just celebrated her birthday last week. We were wishing her a happy birthday. And then it was quite sad um, to hear that she had actually passed away on, I think it was Saturday morning. So Auntie, give me one second here and I'm going to get her full name for you guys. Uh, Well known in the community there of West Bay. So um, let me just tell you. A bit of sad news. Uh, Kathy Wilkes also, um, let's extend her condolences to MP Kathy Wilkes and her family. Miss Mary Ebanks um, and all of their children. They've also lost their husband and father, Mr. Austin. Um, He passed away as well recently. And uh, we, again, express our sincere condolences to that family. So we have, um, just give me one second here. I'm just trying to pull up the post with her name in it. Um... Gosh, there's so many news stories since Saturday on the social media page. Um, It was. uh, Right. Sorry. Here we go. Auntie Ethel Ebanks, 104 years old, passed away peacefully in her sleep early on Saturday morning. Um, Funeral announcements will be forthcoming shortly. What a, what a blessing to live to 104. And this is a picture of her celebrating her 104th birthday uh, with a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Isn't that gorgeous? Um, so many people are thankful uh, for her. And then here we have Mr. Austin Ebanks. And Mr. Austin passed away um, after a, a long illness as well. So her condolences to Miss Mary Ebanks, um, Kathy, and all of her brothers, uh, her brother and her sisters as well. Um, And we also, of course, want to extend condolences to the family of Mr. Um, Nixon, who passed away over the weekend. And that would be, let me just get you his name, Mr. Eldon Nixon, also passed away on Saturday afternoon at Smith Cove. So this is the gentleman. Apparently he went swimming there every single day. 75 years old, people said he would get his little um, fruits and you'd see him sitting out on the beach eating his fruits. There he is with his little cane. He was up and down on his bicycle. 
and uh, he got into some sort of difficulty. I don't know if he had a heart attack when he got in the water or what happened, but there were eyewitnesses there that are fans of, of the program of CMR. And so they call us and gave us the full details, the full blow to blow in terms of what happened. And there was some um, RNs and medical personnel uh, as tourists who were visiting from overseas who were at the beach and they extended immediate assistance um, getting him out of the water along with a Caymanian gentleman to get him out of the water and trying to um, perform CPR and stuff like that. But, you know, it looks, it looks like water definitely got in his lungs um, as well. And, uh, you know, I think they had a very, very faint pulse, but unfortunately um, he still passed away. So our condolences to the family of Mr. Eldon Nixon as well. So, um, Yes, folks, uh, death, I guess, is part of life, and we all uh, have to go that route at some particular time or another. Uh, Miss Darlene says maybe if there's a person or persons here in our Cayman Islands assisting the Cubans and arriving ashore, is maybe they're listening. We can uh, get people to listen to on this topic and having a big laugh at our people. Well, there's definitely some um, some people who believe that uh, Cayman is now becoming the destination of choice and that there is some degree of human trafficking that is happening. And they claim they've got, they've got sources to show it. In fact, I got a picture of a truck over the weekend that said this truck is picking the Cubans up when they come here and taking them to job sites and allowing them to work illegally. So I'm gonna pass that, in immigration, that information on to work their um, enforcement arm so that they can hopefully do something about it because it, it, it's, it's shocking. Um, you know, anyone who is involved in that uh, should have the hard, uh, long arm of the law come down on them very, very swiftly, folks. Should not be permitted. So tomorrow, let's talk about the man who went into the ocean last night. We'll tell you guys what we know about that. We'll talk about the fight with the kids Ugh, these girls, I tell you, I don't even know what to say about them, but um, we can talk about that. There was an air ambulance that came in, a medevac that came in. At first we thought, because there was two COVID patients that went from Little Cayman to Cayman Brack over the weekend, but it turns out it's actually not them. Um, it is uh, someone else that was having, um, oh, I need to just double check what what my source said about that, but it wasn't it wasn't COVID related. It was something else in terms of uh, of why they were coming in. It was a Jamaican lady with appendicitis, apparently. So nothing to do with COVID, appendicitis. All right, so, and who continues to suffer and go without Kimat? Yeah. Folks, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another wonderful show. I've got to get to work this morning. I've got some meetings uh, scheduled throughout the day and I've got a lot to actually do. I wish you guys a um, beautiful and safe day. Um, Join us tomorrow morning. We have uh, Health City on first for Rundown um, Medical Tuesdays with them. I haven't checked the email to see what the topic of discussion is, but they've been really bringing some pretty interesting topics to the table. So I'm sure that it will be super interesting. Should make sure that you tune in for that. And then, of course, uh, we'll pick up on these other bits of the conversation. BVI, we didn't get to conclude or talk about that at all today. They're actually protesting today, by the way. So we definitely need to have that conversation in terms of what's happening in BVI because of the acts of their premier, the entire country and the entire system has now been placed under this entirely you know, unbelievable 
cloud of suspicion, folks. It's really something else. Uh, looks like they might have direct rule from the UK, which would be shocking, but that could very well be the direction that they're going. So we'll talk some more about that. We have the acting premier of BVI. We're trying to get an interview with him. I think we'll be able to secure that interview. Uh, so make sure you continue to listen to CMR. We got you covered. Um, Cayman's number one news source, um, getting you covered with both local, regional, and international news. And I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings.